This is One Giant Podcast, your source for all things New York football giants. Here are your hosts, Adam Armbrecht and Andy Makowitz. And we are back, good sir. The the big game, just to avoid. Listen, uh, you were correct, Andy. Uh, we got a lot of lawsuits. Filings have been put into motion. And needless to say, this podcast needs to take off in a hurry because because Roger's coming for us, man. I should not have used that SB term as many times as I did in succession. A lot of cease and desist. I see it flying in our inbox. They're not happy with us. That's okay. It, it's the big game, you know? That's life. Listen, it happens. Uh, we can't go back, obviously. And um, listen, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Needless to say, we're going to keep putting out episodes uh, until we officially have to close the doors. Hopefully it's not anytime soon. Uh, you and I were talking before we get into some of the big game conversation, a little uh, action in review. But uh, we were talking before we started recording here, Andy. You're enjoying a, a little bit of a opportunity to squeeze in some fun with friends and also with the missus so you're feathering that line nicely uh we don't have to go into too much detail but i thought we could start the show with a definition and that is boondoggle boondoggle is a noun which means work or activity that is wasteful or pointless but gives the appearance of having value i thought boondoggle meant it was like kind of a last minute ridiculous thing it it you know, I'm, I'm down in West Palm Beach, Florida, enjoying 80 degree and sunny weather. I'm down in Florida as all the people fly away from the Super Bowl in Florida. Also just, smart. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just playing a little golf, taking in 80 and sunny. The wife is coming down a couple days away from the baby. You know, we're, we're trying to enjoy now that the, you know, the, the NFL season is over and all of the research that we do for the One Giant podcast, mm. take a break from it, you know? That's right. But the bottom line is you're enjoying some time down there in Florida. I'm glad that you chose to bring uh, your lovely wife, Kelly, down. Because then I thought, you know, when you were saying boondoggle, that's where I thought this was trending. You went down to play golf, and you were in a boondoggle on the other end of things uh, with the misses. But let's talk about it, man. We come off of the Super Bowl. Uh, as, as everybody knows, we had our, our pre-Super Bowl action there. Some people dove in on it. We gave them some thoughts on, on uh, beverages, on eats to have for the big game. I, I went bold, and honestly, man, it was looking like it was going to go my way here. I had, I had called for the 27-24 San Francisco 49ers victory, and I, I thought that I was easing my way into that kind of landing, and then obviously things got out of hand there in the fourth. Not dissimilar, big comeback uh, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. This felt a little bit different, though. What, was your, what were your takeaways as you watched the, the, the big game? So, so Adam, I – when the when the intercept you know the the first half i you know i, I was with uh, a lot of people that were interested in a lot of the commercials and the box pools and everything and you know i had to turn up the volume a couple times to make sure i could hear what was happening whether it was a first down what was called on the field there was a lot a lot of things happening at the super bowl party mm. and when you go to the like you know we talked about it last time when you go to one of these larger events the game kind of loses its its luster in terms of the group. So I really had to corral it and hold it together to make sure that everyone said, hey, you know, focus. Like, look at that big play by Debo Samuel. That reverse play was huge. That could have gone for a touchdown. That was almost 45 yards. Yeah. Everyone said, yeah, that's great. Let me know when J-Lo's half, halftime happens, right? Mm. And so, you know, the first half kind of slogged through a little bit. You know, as, as a football fan, I enjoyed it, but – as casual fans are trying to watch it, it there wasn't 
that many exciting moments where everyone else is getting into the game, right? No, well, listen, I mean, on the back end of this one, obviously the Chiefs make a big comeback. I'll go uh, – I, I didn't think that the 49ers defense w- was going to give up those opportunities the way that they did. So I was a little surprised that once you got to the fourth quarter, I, I thought that uh, the 49ers would be able to do enough there. Uh, can I go – I'll go big picture here a little bit because I knew this was going to happen. I was, as, as I had said, I was going to be here at the apartment. Courtney was here. Uh, my buddy Mike and I were talking about – uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, man, and it came out right afterwards, whether it was SportsCenter that night or the next day, everyone was talking about how it was, hey, listen, in a game where you played some of your worst football, then you turned around and you played the greatest game that anyone has ever seen. And I knew it was going to happen because everyone was talking, has already talked about Patrick Mahomes as being the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. And obviously the MVP and the Super Bowl victory starts to send him on that path. But I, maybe, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to come across the fans, but I was saying to my buddy Mike throughout the game, th- when they weren't having success offensively, you were able to point – there was four or five passes where Patrick Mahomes is just off the mark. He's throwing, he's throwing receivers short. He's throwing behind wide receivers over the middle for opportunities to get first downs. And this isn't a knock on him overall. I think he does a lot of things tremendously well, and he's going to have a ton of success in the NFL. But this idea that he is – one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time already is something that I didn't like when it was coming into the Super Bowl, and I feel like there's grounds to argue against that even after he comes away with an MVP winning performance. Does that does that seem totally insane for me to be saying? It's not insane, but I might need to hear a little more from you to find out if you're crazy or not. Because sure. the, the the reason why is the expectations for Patrick Mahomes going into this game were so ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. His over-under was over 300 yards passing under. in the Super Bowl. But, but, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, but think about that. Like, in the game, everyone already said, oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 300 yards. Right? Like, there, how many quarterbacks go into the Super Bowl saying, uh, uh, he's definitely going to throw for 300? And then well, the that, second it, thing is, prop bet, how many touchdowns will Patrick Mahomes throw for? for? Two touchdowns was minus 240, which means you would have to throw $240 down to win 100 bucks if you wanted to say that he would have over more two touchdowns. So everyone was saying it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to have 300 and two touchdowns. And when you think about, like, quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, like, you know, the real Super Bowl era, the last mm-hmm. 25 years, that is such a crazy expectation to go into a game with. Oh, that listen, that and that's fine. Like I said, like I, I, mean, I don't know, maybe that kind of feeds into my point though of everyone anointing him this way so quickly in his career. Again, he's on a team where they have all these tremendous weapons, right? And that's fantastic. And he makes amazing plays. His arm release angle is phenomenal. He does he does those sidearm slings. He can release from any point over his shoulder down to his hip. So I get it. And he and he's on the run. I'm not taking away anything from the things that he does incredibly well and the fact that with him as your quarterback, you're able to complete this comeback. I thought that it was great that he's able to kind of turn his, turn his brain off to having a bad first two and a half quarters. You know, and So I don't devalue anything that he did in this one, but I think my, my point more is that coming into it, he's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. He doesn't throw the perfect ball. What he benefits from is having all of these weapons around him that can make the adjustments. Some of the catches that you saw were guys reaching back behind them. And again, I'm not. this isn't me 
this is why it's hard to make this kind of statement because it's not me in any way, shape, or form saying that if I'm starting a team, I might not take Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback first out of anyone in the league, right? So I'm not diminishing him or saying that I don't like him. But what I am saying is he's a young quarterback who still has areas to improve and work on. And the idea that you would come into a Super Bowl game and say, this guy's definitely going to go for 300 yards. He's definitely going to go, like you said, minus 240 for two touchdowns. That means that people are trying to throw for at least three touchdowns in a Super Bowl game against the San Francisco 49 defense. So that's kind of my point is like you're, you're automatically setting him up to have to reach these almost unobtainable expectations in a game. And it's not his fault. And his skill set and what he's done so far doesn't warrant setting those standards for him. What it warrants is saying, like, man, what a phenomenal first year that he had. We all know. Had a great second season. Comes back from a near horrific injury for himself and wins a Super Bowl. Amazing. And now let's see him grow and build on that. Yeah. Adam, the, the, the bottom line is he delivered. He had 208, I believe it was 284, 286 yards. 286 yards, yeah. Touchdown pass. 26 of 42, two upright. Right. So, I know. So, I don't believe so, it. And, and, threw, and threw a glaring interception right into the hands of a linebacker in the first half. Like, my point is that – okay, but, but, he he, but he also rushed for the first touchdown of the game. My, my whole thing is, like, his, his expectations as a second-year quarterback who had won the MVP before, they were saying minimum – Oh, Patrick, like, ho-hum. Patrick Holmes is going to have 302 touchdowns. Like, clearly that's that's what it is. So he has to do something absolutely spectacular in order to be the MVP or us to, like, think that he's amazing or be great. And, yes, he did make mistakes. He turned over the ball twice in critical situations. One, the Tyreek Hill tip pass, I don't really put on Patrick Mahomes. I've seen no. Tyreek Hill do that yeah, a couple yeah. times. Yeah. That, that, that's not on him. That, the the other one where he threw the pick and linebacker sitting over the middle, he just he didn't see him, and that is a mistake on Mahomes. But when you look at Mahomes had hundreds of completions this year without throwing an interception, he just ended up doing it in the big game. And, yeah. and my whole thing is, look, you, you had 302 touchdowns as the expectations for him. Jimmy Garoppolo, like his over-under on touchdowns was one and a half. His mm. yards were like, like 220. Like, no one really expected Jimmy G to do anything. So the expectations going into the game were that Patrick Mahomes was going to be amazing, and he was, like, slightly less than amazing. But he still was awesome, and anyone in the league would still take that guy as their quarterback. Oh, again, a hundred percent. That's my point. Like, I'm not. I'm uh, again. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't take him, but and maybe that's the thing too, right? And also, but like by the way, comparing Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes, like, well, there's nothing really to be comparing there. You're talking about a guy who's 28 years old. He's had a really has a he had a really nice season. He went. He wins games. That's ultimately the most important thing in the NFL, as we know. But it's done a lot through the running attack. There, he didn't have the same expectations coming to the Super. Bowl, but by the way, on a deep bomb, right? He's five feet long, and and we said it right here when I was watching the game. It's like you got to hit that pass, right? It's okay if you miss that connection there, and it goes off the fingertips of your receiver because it's almost, and you're just you know that hair away from it. But he overthrows him by a good you know three three yards there. If he connects on that touchdown pass, then mm-hmm. you know if this game plays out differently, you wouldn't have said like. Revisionist history. There's no real point to go down this road kind of thing. But say he hits that touchdown pass and and they end up with 27 points, and this ends up being a San Francisco 49er win, right? Like if it plays out that way, no one 
The only thing that people are going to do is look at Patrick Mahomes and pick apart the, the mistakes that he made, the interceptions that he threw, and how some of his passes were off the mark, right? Like, that's what would have happened if they had lost. They win, and you focus on all the positive things that he did, and that's totally fine, and I get it. And this is more just that it's that thing about, man, you don't have to give someone the crown before they've done it. That, that, that's all. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to put the pressure on the kid that he needs to be this thing in some shape or form. If he comes around there in the fourth quarter and he gets it done with it, you know, fantastic. And they should. They're one of the most high-powered offenses. Like, all those great things. Uh, but, again, this is, you know, the, the Super Bowl is won and lost on plays. We're, when we were having the conversation watching it, it was that thing about, remember, it's like Eli Manning hitting those passes down the sideline to Mario Manningham, the one deep down the field to David Tyree. Like, hey, those are the moments, right, that help define your career. And if you're if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, that was the moment for you. You could have just defined your entire career and bought the rest of your contract with the 49ers with zero ill will from anyone because that could have been the Super Bowl winning pass that you threw that put this one out of reach in terms of, you know, uh, Kansas City being able to come back. Well, listen, well, well, I, I don't want to belabor but, it, so I, I don't no, want to no, get into this. No, I, I, I agree with you, but here's the thing. Everyone boils down to, you know, and we'll get into the Eli Manning Hall of Fame stuff. We'll get into Eli Manning's career, but we can turn it back to the Giants. And we say, and everyone says, oh, one play. Like Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew him, had, had a chance to make the play. He did not. Eli had two opportunities to make a play, and boy, did he make the plays, right? Like that yeah. Mario Manningham throw on the sideline. If you, if you watch any of the NFL films things, they say – he fit it into a bucket of like six to eight inches where Mario Manningham could catch it on the sideline, lay down before getting destroyed, right? Like that was incredible. You look at Eli Manning ducking out of getting tackled and throwing it to David Tyree, shout out to Syracuse University, pulls that on his head and holds onto that ball. And look, those are the things that matter in the Super Bowl. We matter. The dramatic plays matter. And guess what? If Garoppolo throws that touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders and then, you know, Mahomes has to go down the field and he doesn't, it's a different scenario. Then right. Jimmy G looks like a hero, hero. And I get it. It all hangs in the balance on one or two plays. But at the end of the day, when you look at the stats, you know, Mahomes, 286, two touchdowns, a couple interceptions, one rushing touchdown, had three touchdowns on the day. I, you know, I, I know people were upset about him getting the MVP. But at the end of the day, you know, we all know how it works. The quarterback gets the yeah. limelight. Yeah, you know, Damian Williams was the was the best player for them, but he's not. Well, that's what I was getting. So yeah, so I mean, beyond that too. Just and again, I I think that Mahomes is fantastic. I would love to have had him on my team. I would love that the Giants had drafted him. So let's just you know, hopefully this avoids any too much. Because I have one other thing I need to defend myself again. Uh, uh, also, when it comes to our to our listenership, but that that was the point I was going to make. You know, Williams with those 17 carries, 104 yards. Obviously, uh, he was really an important cog for Kansas City throughout this game, able to get some nice chunk yards to them and help them to move the chain. So just in terms of consistency, I thought he did a fantastic job for them. Obviously, you go over on the receiving side of things, and Tyree Kill and, you know, Sammy Watkins really blows the door off this thing. They go for a, a combined 200-plus yards with 14 catches between them. Uh, and, you know, Kelsey really, relatively speaking, though his catches were big, uh, you know, six for 43. I think that it, we knew kind of coming into this that San Francisco was going to have to pick their poison. And it, it didn't really <laughs> – you picked your poison, and then they also poisoned you again in other ways. So it, it was a difficult, you know, difficult task set ahead of the 49ers. And really, uh, once Williams started getting that type of yardage, you knew that this was going to be hard. At some point, it was going to start to click 
for Kansas City. And I, I don't know about you as just a, you know, a, a fan on neither side here. I was like, boy, 49ers, man, even the first drive, the field goal, I was like, it's not enough. <laughs> you know, every – it wasn't <laughs> You're like, seven. You're going to get every point you yeah. really possible. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Every single play. So, well, well Adam, Adam, I have, a, I have a couple of side things for you. First, right. The first one is I took Demi Lovato's over oh, yeah. the national anthem. It was two minutes. I, I, I had some inside information that said she was breathy. During rehearsals, she's going to go long. And I thought to myself, oh, let's get a quick win before even the coin toss happens. And uh, if you've seen any of the memes, there's a bunch of things on Twitter. She went under by about 10 or 12 seconds. It wasn't even close. I lost that prop bet early. Was there, uh, you know, was there any prop bets that you decided to throw in or, or throw some shekels on that you were hoping to hit that, that maybe hit or didn't? Well, we actually, so we talked about that here at the apartment and uh, Courtney, my girlfriend went to, she went to record it to see how close we came. Uh, but I, I clicked mine as well. And I had done it after she had started. So when I, when it was done, I, t- I clicked stop and it said 131. And I was like, no way. I was like, I did, did not get the over. And Courtney, she's like, oh no, she was singing for at least 25, almost 30 seconds. Before. I was like, nope. I was like, maybe 15 seconds difference here. She wrapped that thing up tight as a drum. Uh, you know, outside of that, so I knew I was like, I think Andy's going to miss out here. I actually listen. I uh, I had a few boxes in, in my friend's pool. Uh, my big man, listen, I had some good numbers. The best one being, I think I had what I had one for. Uh, I think I had one four was a combo that I had. Uh, I had a beautiful zero six Kansas City zero San Francisco six. I was dancing with those at the ends of the first quarter. There didn't hit on anything. I avoided most of the prop bets. Did you go uh, with coin flip? Did you go, you know, any of those other interesting ones that uh, sounds like if I listen, I, I know for a fact you didn't hit on any of these because if you had, I would have already heard about this before we started the podcast. Oh, Adam, I have not told you about one of my sneaky, sneaky prop bets that I put in during during the Super Bowl. Mm. So are you ready? This one is a ridiculous prop bet, but when it comes to Super Bowl, I like throwing in crazy things because it's like a lot of ticket. You never know what's going to happen. So listen to this one. I put a bet in before the Super Bowl. Will Travis Kelsey and Mostert each have a touchdown? Mm-hmm. Will there be more points in the second half than the first half? Mm-hmm. Will Tyree Kill have over 100 yards receiving? Mm-hmm. Will Patrick Mahomes rush for 25 yards? Okay. And will the Chiefs win the game? You hit on and, all of those. And and do you want to hear something? So those odds were thirty-one to one. Mm-hmm. And listen, I don't I don't want any any of our listeners to be a little worried about how much I won. Mm-hmm. I can tell you it was thirty-one to one, mm-hmm. and I was in on that bet. And the craziest part about that bet is everything it hit by the late fourth quarter. And Patrick Mahomes had 43 rushing yards at the end of the game. And when there was one minute left, he started kneeling the ball down back to try to steal it. <laughs> and I'm screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? And I know it's the best thing for the team, and I know it's the best thing for them and to win the game. Mm-hmm. And so I will tell you, he lost 18 yards. Yeah, ended up with, with only 29, 29 yards at the end of it. Wow. And, and so he ended up just above the 25 yards. So 
I ended up hitting a 31 to one, a long shot. It felt like, like betting a, a long horse in a, in a horse race where you're like, I think I got a good feeling about this guy, you know? And in that regard, Andy means a horse that has a very slim odds to win the race, not a horse that physically is longer than the other horses, because obviously uh, that would be a, an advantage. And I'm talking about a freakishly, like a nine-foot-long horse. Obviously, it's like the, you know, the wiener dog of horse racing. They don't allow for that sort of thing. Uh, well, listen, that explains why it was a little bit easier for you to go ahead and book those tickets down to Florida to, have to play a little golf and uh, have some time with the missus. So, uh, yeah, listen, man, it was, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I think I have gotten to a point where watching the Super Bowl is tricky, depending on who's in it. You know, if it's not the Giants, obviously, it's going to make a difference. Um, you know, if, and if it's not, maybe the Patriots are in it and you're hoping to see someone else beat them or you don't want to see anybody beat them because you want the Giants and, you know, the Eagles ended up doing it. So that kind of, you know, tarnishes our legacy in that regard. But this was one, you know, and, and it didn't really jump off the page early in the game either. I think the most exciting part of it was that theoretically the, you know, the Niners were doing the things that, you, that they were going to need to do in order to win this one using a ton of the clock. They used nearly half of the, half of the uh, third quarter on, on their drive there when the second half got underway. So they were doing so many things well. And I think that was the suspenseful part of it was, will they be able to do enough? And when you end up going inside those stat lines, I think you look at Jimmy G and you do say, you know, ultimately – you couldn't afford to have the turnovers in this one if you were going to be able to win this game. So, uh, I mean, Adam, the, the, what it comes down to is the game is basically over. With 10 minutes to go, when, when Tyreek Hill, you know, mishandles that pass and, mm-hmm. and it's intercepted, and the, the San Francisco 49ers are up 10 with 10 minutes to go, I kind of looked over to the side. And even though I've watched a million times the Chiefs come back, and come back and come back. I'm like, this game's over. Like it, it's it's over. Like they're up ten with the ball. They could, if they continue, they're, they're get averaging six yards a carry in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They just continue to pound the ball. This game's over, right? And, and then you turn around, and at the end of the game, the Chiefs win by eleven. It's it's the same like nonsensical things that happened against the Tennessee Titans, against the Houston Texans. Yep. Chiefs offense is just so dynamic that when you give the ball to Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, you can hold them down for five minutes. You can hold them down for a quarter. You just cannot hold them down for four quarters. They were averaging 43 points going into this game. The Niners had the best defense in the, in the league. They gave up 31 points at the end of the day, and that was really the difference in the game. Giants News and Notes. Yeah, I want to move just a couple of quick uh, house cleaning notes in and around the Giants before we get out the door here. Uh, I, I will say, too, that one of the things that benefits for the Chiefs is that they are a team that, you know, their offense is predicated on grip it and rip it, you know, move that ball downfield in a hurry. So at no point when you're losing these games is it difficult to try to turn that on because that's always what your mentality is. So I think that that's to their benefit as well because the game plan doesn't change when they're down. Unlike if you were the 49ers and you got down in this one, then you start to ask your team to do things they haven't done throughout the year. So, uh, listen, end of the day, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to Andy Reid. Finally gets that Super Bowl championship. Be curious to see uh, if he comes back for maybe one more year before that big contract gets underway for Mahomes and then it uh, makes them lose offensive linemen and they have issues in terms of the cap space and all that sort of things. Or does does the old gentleman ride off into the sunset? Does the – does the happy walrus go back into the sea from whence he came? Only time well, will tell. Adam, yeah. I, 
I, I thought you were going to say congratulations to Andy Makowitz for picking the Chiefs correctly in this game. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, from mm-hmm. what, I've, what I've heard from other listeners, they said mm-hmm. that trumps the regular season because the Super Bowl <laughs> is all that matters. So I, I, I think oh. you're congratulations to Andy for winning this year. Well, well I, will, I will say congratulations to you, sir, for picking the game correctly. I think you do deserve all the credit in the world for that. And I also do agree with the listeners that the Super Bowl victory should be weighted maybe more heavily than some of the other uh, games throughout the season. That being said, everyone knows how deep that deficit was. I don't think that this registers a 10 to 15 point win in terms of the season competition, but that's something we can go to the committee with uh, in the off season. Nevertheless, man, you had it right. And a hats off to you for doing so. We move quickly into some off, uh, just some uh, quick news and notes here. Uh, the Giants have uh, also hired in uh, Stephen Brown. He'll be the uh, offensive line assistant. He was the offensive line assistant, excuse me, and the assistant to the head coach, not unlike the office if you're a fan, assistant to the regional manager, assistant to the head coach. To, to the head coach, yes. Yes, exactly. so uh, he had been there in Dallas for four years with Garrett. He's going to be here again, so nice continuity there and familiarity. And then a few days ago, we had brought in uh, Sean Spencer from Penn State. He's going to be working with the defensive line. I think that there, uh, this, this should probably be the entire coaching staff. Got a lot of new faces there. Uh, but a nice job, I think, by Joe Judge rounding out this unit by having some, I think, young, talented coaches from college ranks and from around the NFL, and then experience and veteran leadership that can hopefully create this blend of knowledge and then also maybe some innovation that helps the Giants construct all three phases in some new ways uh, you know, from a Giants fan perspective. I couldn't agree more. It seems like the the coaching staff is solidified. I'm excited to go in. We can now talk about free agency. There's already players that uh, are, are going to be out there that people are talking about. That's going to be for another day. I think we wrap it up with the Super Bowl that, you know, you and I were tied uh, for the year in, in our picks. <laughs> and, and, and we go into next year fresh with, Daniel Jones is our starting quarterback. I'll crunch, I'll crunch those numbers. I'll t- I'm going to go back and take a look at where we stood at the end of the season, and I'll see how much of the weight should be put onto this little Super Bowl uh, boondoggle that we <laughs> took in this over the weekend. Listen, I'll save the defense of some comments I made a few podcasts ago. Andy Makowitz has been talking to some of the fan base. I'm well aware of some criticism that I may be taking. You knuckleheads out there will be happy to hear that I can explain to you in a very gentlemanly way why you are completely wrong. That'll do it for the One Giant Podcast. We will be coming back in again towards the end of the week once Andy has a chance to sun himself on the golf course, eat some ceviche poolside with the missus, and get his butt back from a warm 80s-temperatured Florida to the tri-state area so we can talk all things New York football giants. And as always, go Big Blue. You can follow Adam and Andy at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. This has been One Giant Podcast.